and welcome back to a very special edition of Legends of Read. Today I'm very glad and grateful to feature a guest contribution from the bassoon class of Christian Omaronas and Arek Ademcek. Together, they hosted an online lecture on Zoom for bassoon students and graduates from the Music Academy in Poznan. This lecture was chaired by guest speaker Professor Ola Christendal from Music Hochschule of Mannheim and the subject of the lecture was how to get the most of your practicing when time is limited. These are of course very difficult and strange times for arts and artists. Working and practicing from home can be challenging if your neighbors are not fans of practicing. So how can you stay motivated and focused on your daily practice? Listen in as Ula gives valuable advice and tips, the value of maintaining a regular routine, how to do a compressed version of drills, and he even answers questions from Facebook Live. Don't forget to check out Christian's interview with me in season one. Please stay well and healthy and, and enjoy the lecture. And we are live. So first of all, let me welcome everyone to this live lecture, which will be held by Professor Olika Stjandar. Uh, for those of you who are watching this live on Facebook, uh, let me briefly explain how this lecture will be performed. Uh, in the Zoom, meeting, in the Zoom <laughs> meeting you are about to watch, there are students, uh, graduates and teachers from the Music Academy in Poznan, together with our guests, Professor Olga Stjandal. Uh, the main topic for today's lecture is how to get the most out of your practicing when time is limited. A topic which I believe we all will find useful <laughs> considering our stressful daily lives. Um, if you at home got any questions related to this topic or any other bassoon related question for that matter, uh, then please feel free to write your questions in the live chat here on Facebook and we might include them at the very end of the lecture. Um, I can actually see that there are more and more people <laughs> starting to watch the stream already, which is great. Um, so I think it's actually a good time to start the lecture. So Ole, the stage is yours. Thank you, Christian, and thank you for this, uh, you know, fun and uh, invitation to do this. I think uh, many of us are going through the same kind of phase in this Corona times. You know, some people have enormous amounts of time on their hands. Some people have no time on their hands. Uh, it's difficult to structure what you want to do in the day. And, you know, for many of my students, we've had uh, a new problem now that, you know, they can't go to the school to practice and they would have to use their apartments. And that can be, you know, relying on neighbors and, you know, uh, all kinds of rules. Although in Germany, the rules are very clear of how much you're actually allowed to practice, which is substantial. But, you know, if the neighbors uh, are making a big fuss, it can be quite difficult. So for a lot of the students, only one hour of practice is available uh, per day. And this is a bit of a nightmare if you're in the middle of, you know, bachelor, master's, Sousa studium, looking for a job, trying to get the job. What do you do? So um, we're trying very hard to sort of max this out. The actual hour in itself has to be very cleverly sort of divided. Um, the brain tells you, you need to do this, you need to do that, but you need to be inspired. You need to have a goal. You need to do all these things. And many things gets in the way of the practicing. Social media, for sure, phones, uh, all these different things. I think 
we really, really have to try and use that hour rather, which is kind of ironic since we're on social media right now, but we have to use that hour very in a very sort of meditative manner and trying to get as much as thing sorted um, in our practicing as we can. So um, the most difficult thing about this is having focus on what it is that you want to do. Why is it so difficult? Because we don't know how things are going anywhere in the world right now. Uh, and the motivation of then, you know, keeping running in the hamster wheel can be somewhat difficult. But I can only um, try to inspire you to say that, you know, it's actually a really, really wonderful thing for the mind, for the body to have the ability to play and actually perform a physical task like this and include arts uh, for the brain. So um, I think one should use this time in Corona times to listen to a lot of music, go back in time, listen to old recordings, listen to old artists, uh, not necessarily only the people who gets the most likes these days. Um, I think art should flow and we should listen to it as much as possible. Go into the other genres that you don't know so well. All of these things gives you more brain food for creating, you know, your own colors or your own ideas. In music. So um, it's a fantastic time to uh, meditate about reads, get to know your material. That doesn't necessarily disturb your neighbor so much, hopefully. Um, but when it then boils down to the practicing itself, I personally like to sort of separate it into three very, very different stages. Um, the first stage is, you know, maintaining and developing your skills is very, very important. So what I would do if I have this hour ready, say the slot is between 11 and 12, the neighbor is ready with his shotgun in case you would play one peep across 1201. Um, then what I would like to do in the morning, have a good breakfast, um, and I would like to work out a little bit and just get the body warm while listening to music. Love doing that. Shuffle is amazing. Some crazy shuffles lately. Uh, Stevie Ray won into Bruckner 8. That was very bizarre. But, you know, adds a little bit. So be warm and ready when you want to play. First thing I would do, I would take soon, uh, I would play glissandos, half step and whole step all the way from the lowest note, half step, whole step. Why? To find the closest combination possible for those two notes. I do that chromatically through the whole register, all the way up to the snow. Then that read goes away. I take the next read that I need to play on and sort of, you know, make a little route of this. I usually have 10, 20 reads in rotation all the time. Um, so these are reads that needs to sort of be break, broken, break, broken, uh, needs to be broken in. Um, next read, then I would do a Clark pattern. And why would I do a Clark pattern? Uh, yeah, trumpet exercise, cornet exercise. It's great for portioning out air and phrasing and starting to sort of warm your support up a little bit. Um, 
the Clark pattern can also be done from the lowest notes all the way through. I'm sure you know it. French people, Spanish people, they do. I can't do that, but it's very impressive when they sing it in the lessons all the time. So then very slowly, and the focus should then vary. You do beginning, low B flat. Of course, you can't do the turn in the end of that. You play the first note. You take your tongue down to make the note a little richer and flatter. Then you support up to pitch. And then you close the side muscles. This is basically the dig out exercise. Close or focus embouchure. And then you feel the embouchure and then you push through. And that is, you know, the beginning of starting to phrase a little bit like that. Next note, be natural. Play the note with the tuner, of course. Lower your tongue or preferably lower here. You can change the, the temperature between cold and warm. You see that easily here. Thank God it's not after Christmas because then you can't see it. But now you can. Um, so you change the vowel here a little bit to make this, the inner uh, cavity a little bigger. But then the cavity, of course, the note is flabby and big. So you support to get the pitch up and then you focus the embouchure again. So in this sense, all these little things, you upgrade the inner room a little bit for the sound, you support, and then you start rolling with this. Play the Clark through, um, again, the whole register. Then that read goes away. Then you have um, in your notebook, you say, okay, what's the tonality of the day? And then I see, okay, today is a C major day. Well, in Sweden, it really isn't because it's pretty gray. So it would be more like a maybe A flat major day, I think. And the, the mail came also a little late. So maybe A flat major. But we go into the book and we see what is the tonality that I'm doing for the day. And then, of course, I would use the drill one from the system, practicing system saying, okay, time to work and get that little stone in. Yeah. We're talking already now. We spent... Lisando exercise, couple of minutes, Clark, you know, thoroughly through 10 minutes. And then we can actually do this part of work of the hour is very, very important for your endurance, uh, that you build chops, that you are stronger. And it also gives you, you know, putting one brick in the wall for your development over time. And drill one is great for that. It's tedious and it's heavy. Your read should be playable. Of course, that you can have some careful that you don't play two fresh reads in the tender register. You do that usually just once or twice, and then you find out maybe that's not such a good idea. Um, so you try to have reads that are at least, or you can go a little bit through the reads for each uh, octave even. That could be possible if you have more reads that you need to break in. Um, then I would go through that system. Very important, it's not too fast. Legato, tenuto, staccato, and you play through this whole system do a nice bit of stretch, and then it would be very, very natural um, after the drill one, just to focus a little bit on the tonality, some thirds, some broken chords in this, and then very, very important is, now we're basically halfway through the hour, at least, um, then you focus on the fact um, you need to do some attacks, drill three, soft attacks, you develop the sound, decrescendo, decrescendo, crescendo, um, so you're working on the tonic of the day in that sense. So 
in this way, okay, you're working into this. Now we're really, really getting a little closer to saying, okay, you've warmed up the system. You've, you've done a lot of these different kinds of exercises. You're halfway through the day. What else do you need? Well, it's very important is for me that you take that tonality that you've actually worked on the C and that you start painting the notes around with it to get high level of uh, homogeneity, which is very, as you say, it's very modern these days to have a very even smooth sound that goes between all registers. Kind of sad in one way that we lose a little bit of the character from the different registers so much, which I think a lot of composers actually deliberately used, you know, Dan Sweet from Bartok, that, that, do, that, that, they had all the nasty notes after each other just to have, you know, really gritty and bassoon sound by spring. Of course, then, you know, things were related to the register a little bit. But nevertheless, um, again, without having it to end up in the hamster wheel, we would like to get a job. And the market says, okay, a smooth and even sound between the registers is very important these days. So the flex exercise you take then from the drills is also what you paint the surrounding notes with. It's also a great exercise um, to get the blood flowing in the embouchure a little bit between the intervals. And also that you uh, time your slurs very easily, both on the way up and the way down. Um, and after that, basically you've gone through, you've had some touch, you've had some technique, you can choose then in within the hour either to do a coffee scales pattern that we do in Mannheim, uh, which goes through the tonalities, or you can take scales and chords milde, one of the one of the scales and chords with matching there. So you get into what we call bridging mode. You've been now in the beginning of the hour in the academic mode all the time, working on laboratory work, you know, how to do this, how to do that. Now we're slowly going into the world of playing which is so important, of course, that's why we play. So, you know, we have the second, the bridging stage is playing a study or the coffee scales where you focus, you have one foot in the academics that you are in control of what you're doing. And the other foot is in the phrase of the music and looking a little bit ahead and you plan your route. And the smoother the ride, the better, of course. It's not a virtuosity, this it's, you know, bridging academics and creativity. Then the last part of the hour must be devoted to playing. You must play, to play. A uh, piece of your choice, something that you would love to do, something you improvise, something you do, but the component of practicing is so important that you have the extreme focus. Okay, I'm not good at this, or I need to develop this. All right, I can balance that, this side and that side. And the third side, I can play, or I can try to play. So that motivational uh, balance within an hour of practice, uh, if that is what you're doing on the day, is extremely important. There is a lot to be said about uh, practicing without the instrument. Practice with the brain. It's one of the things uh, many students have heard me say in their individual language. I tried to learn that there are some good ones. Um, because so much work we're doing could happen actually prior to the instrument. The way you prepare, the way you work with the instrument, the way you take care of the instrument, the way you work with the reeds and everything. So if you only have that hour that you can actually produce sound because of your neighbors, it is important, like I said, with the reeds that you actually have this rotation that once we get out of this mess, that you know exactly what your reed family is doing. 
and see, okay, these reads are ready for this, these reads are ready for that. Um, I've had the pleasure and um, I would say gift that I actually had, I could actually play a concert last week, which I felt very um, divided about because of course I'm very happy to be able to play in the concert hall again and play a concert, but I also felt very sorry for everybody who couldn't. So it was not a very celebratory thing to do. I felt great about, okay, wow, this uh, is what we're doing and hopefully it will come back. But my goodness, everybody's sitting at home not being able to do this. So it was sad, but being a teacher as I am, I also used uh, very uh, effectively. And so, okay, what is it that I lost or what is it that I can't really do the way I want to, all of a sudden having to play a concert again. And um, what is very, very typical is when you're practicing in solitude, like we do now, is that you're not integrating your sound with anybody else. So it's very important that you, you know, that the sound is rich enough to have this binding effect of other instruments. And that was definitely like a, a dig out thing again, to have the sound be rich enough that other instruments can sort of go into it. Um, it's also very clear when you play orchestra that you're playing much more dynamics that you would do at home. It forces you to play dynamics. So it's very important to do your attack exercises and your flex things on, uh, on high dynamic tension, but loud, also soft, and actually keep the span. But the most interesting thing was the activity of phrasing goes away when you're practicing on your own. So, and that's the most joyful thing is actually, you know, making air into a 3D pattern and like this, that the air actually flows between the notes and it becomes a phrase like that. And that's definitely um, the difference between something static practicing wise and something being alive and performed like that. But that's a, that's a huge thing. A, a very good friend of mine asked me, is there any kind of uh, exercise you can do that will equal orchestra playing. Um, I, I wish, but I haven't found it yet. I think it's uh, playing in orchestra gives you an incredible advantage, uh, fitness-wise, uh, sound-wise, because your sound magnet, it draws like magnets, other components from other people's sound into your own playing. And when we're playing only on our own, it gets dry, it focused, but it doesn't have that sort of body around it that is so important. So for the sake of practicing, um, keeping your skills, doing your drills in this way, of course, uh, I'm a strong advocate for that. And uh, the Mannheim class, of course, they're doing it. And a lot of my former students are still also doing it. It's a great way of staying in shape uh, and developing shape because you can actually measure it from day to day a little bit. The steps are very small, uh, but you're walking. You're moving ahead, you're doing something. And it's part of a bigger plan in that sense. And um, in this time where you have to bridge time like this, it is incredibly important to have routine and to have something that actually keeps your day powered a little bit. So um, we made a, a Corona tree, actually it was my daughter, bless her for making such a nice Corona tree with roots. And they had big fat roots on one side that were for drills 
and they had big fat roots in the middle. They were for Milda and Bridge Mode, which would be yeah, Milda studies or uh, coffee scales, stuff like that. And big fat roots on the other side, they were reeds. And every little slot of this was an hour work. The tree itself is balanced on these three sort of uh, segments of roots. And there were a lot of leaves on the, on the tree. And every leaf was uh, a piece of music that you should know or should listen to. And it's been really nice to see how motivating it's been for the studio also in Mannheim to have this tree to actually be, uh, come, be number one on the tree. And basically also, of course, the motivation lies that there will be a bottle of champagne and four toilet rolls uh, for the winner of the tree. Of course, in these days, that's the currency that everybody wants, you know, champagne and toilet rolls these days. But it's been really good to keep the motivation and structure of the students practicing going, especially when they've only had this little hour, many of them. Um, and I can maybe, I would really advise people to make their own tree in this way, saying, okay, this is my Corona tree. I've done this, 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 this. These are, you know, pieces uh, of music that uh, I really should know. Uh, I participate in the tree. And the biggest leaf so far was listening through Götterdämmerung uh, while uh, driving in Germany. Uh, that's a long song. And uh, I did something really stupid. I wanted it to finish a little early, so I was driving too fast. And I got a, ticket, got a ticket in Germany. But uh, yeah, it didn't make, this, didn't make the song go faster. But on the other side, the balance between practicing academics uh, making your material fit your needs and spending a lot of time thinking about reads, how, how this could be, how can I develop this, what is it that I need? And then when you actually do practice, um, that you practice with such a purpose and such a focus. So this morning we had a lovely session with the Bosnan uh, bassoon class from uh, Arik and from Christian. And we spent um, yeah, a good hour just on the Clark, changing the focus and how you can actually alternate the modes with your brain. Okay, focusing on fingers going up, focusing on fingers going down, playing the, the major third as a major third in the combination, do it with the flow or, you know, all these different things. Um, it's repetitive practicing these kind of things, but if you change the focus, yeah, it's a whole new thing. So, uh, of course, everybody goes through different phases in the Corona times like this, um, but the motivational side of knowing we are so many people in the same boat trying to, you know, keep on rowing and going for the hope of playing music again uh, publicly and together with somebody, it's going to happen. It will take some time, possibly. But in the meantime, we can actually use this time to really really work on the things that we are didn't have time to do before most difficult for the students is the end motivation and the limitation of time um, but we have to create our own goals and this time nobody's going to do it for us so the teacher can be motivational but and say you know practice this you will get better but if the student says yeah but for what then, of course, the emphasis and the whole energy from, you know, the, the teacher making this balloon castle of, of hope. One has to do it on your own. And that has a lot to do with discipline and actually powering through.
And I think there will be difficult times in life, no matter what. And this is a difficult time, absolutely. But uh, we have the chance of actually doing something that is uh, work-related that also can be very pleasure-related in this way. So um, I want all of my students to have a very clear corona plan of what, what it is that we need to work on and what it is that we should achieve. And then hopefully very soon uh, there can be individual lessons again. Um, but in the meantime, um, there is so much information out there. There is so much fantastic music to listen to. This was a very important thing from the tree. Not only did the students have to write what they listened to, but also which recording was it? Who conducted? What was it? Just, you know, share. This is fantastic. I love this. We had a whole session with the Mannheim students also talking about how are you coping? How are you doing? What kind of music gets you going? What's the difficulty thing in this situation? What do you find easy? I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, okay, some people said, yeah, well, learned a lot of new recipes, uh, you know, making much more reads than ever. Thinking, having time to, to think about things is different. So time is a very, very exclusive thing. For me, most exclusive thing I have is time. I never have enough time for anything. So for me, Having this also says, okay, wow, one can really do these things when you have time to do this um, and you can really dig into it and try to learn people to enjoy things uh, that are accessible like this. And I mean, the resource of music and art, look at these museums these days, they're fantastic. They're giving their own, you can walk through the famous museums with these incredibly well-educated, enthusiastic people talking about the arts amazing amazing what a source of inspiration yeah um so i think we just have to make the most out of this and uh like we did this morning practicing together the the feeling of actually that your sound bounces off something else okay it goes through the internet and stuff like that but in this way it you're playing together with somebody it makes you feel less alone and i think the the isolation in this time is, is bad, it's, it's difficult. So the more of these kind of social events one can do and the more one can practice together, the easier it is, I think. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> very so, inspiring. Some, uh, some questions from, uh, from you guys. Well, uh, first of all, I would say it was a great yeah, really great to hear you say all that. And uh, I think you're completely right. During this Corona time, it's really easy to get unmotivated, uninspired. But at the same time, when we, well, in the past, when we lived in normal times, let's say, we always were complaining about, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time yeah. for that. I wish I would have time to just sit down and finally focus on this, this or that. And now you do. Yeah. So why do you find it unmotivating? You finally have time to do those things. So that's the th that's the thing. I think the big the big issue there is, of course, back in the day, um, one didn't have time, but things were happening, and uh, there was some kind of end result to it. And the, the the scary thing is now we don't know the end of this fermata. Uh, we're in, we're still in the middle of it, and it's just hard to see. Okay, are we going to get out of the fermata at some point? Will there be jobs? Will there be auditions? Yes. 
I'm absolutely sure they will be there. But the, it's difficult for humans to, to tackle this kind of uncertainty of time. Um, and that's why the motivation can go out and, you know, there could be a beach watching of shows, uh, endless, you know, why would I need to practice now? I can practice next week. But I thoroughly, thoroughly believe in discipline uh, also on a, on, a, on a very sort of mental stage. Do something and do something with your day. Um, it makes you sleep better. It really does. Um, because, I mean, uh, well, you don't have to feel, uh, uh, you know, successful, uh, you know, only eating uh, green beans and working out for three hours and playing high notes on F sharps, you know, in the fourth register. Uh, and then, you know, uh, doing a thesis on astrophysics on top of it. it no, not like that. Because there are, it's a fantastic term, uh, sort of Corona times overachievers. And everybody's trying very hard. Uh, it can be too much of that for sure too, but find your system, find your system that you want to do, find what works for your day um, and be, be this and show that kind of discipline to you, to your own system. And then, you know, when Friday night comes, you did a good week of work, you know, have some wine, cook some nice food, see a show because you didn't see one all week. Yeah. Or, you know, Portion it out a little bit. Reward yourself with something that makes sense. But um, yeah, for me, you know, I've had my weeks for the second week in a row now. We have not been eating out once. I've been cooking for two weeks. They are still alive. Very challenging, I can tell you. Yeah, Impressive. very challenging. They're not happy with my cooking at all. But you know, I need to improve. So uh, again, now you have time. And then you look into it and see, okay, what's, what's this? So exactly. uh, we have to make the most out of it for sure. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but regarding this, um, of course, yeah, as you say, we have to make the most out of it. And at the same time, life is going on. So it does, that is some of our jobs, maybe not orchestra currently that much, but teaching does. And uh, thanks to Zoom app and stuff like this, we are continuing to teach. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on actually teaching online over Zoom when it comes to not actually being in the same room as the person and the sound difficulties it comes with and stuff like this? What do you do? What do you think about this stuff? Well, to be honest, uh, if, if, you know, if we didn't need the human interaction, if we didn't need the actual sound in real life, I mean, then... Philips would have put us out of work both as orchestra players a long time ago with the introduction of the CD. Why would you need to go to concert if you can hear a perfect CD? Well, it's not like that. We know the classical industry is still needed because people need the real experience, the actual physical feel of sound, of emotion, all these things that you can't really measure uh, are still needed. And it's a bit the same. A virtual hug is uh, very different than a real hug. I mean, it's hard to know these days now. It's been such a long time since anybody has had a hug. You know, you see people making these weird gestures on the street and you think, what's going on? But it's it's a bit this way. Also with the with the online teaching, of course, you can you can achieve things, you can talk about things, you can structure things, but you're not actually hearing the actual sound. You don't actually hear the output of energy. It's not, our microphones are not good enough for that. Yet. Thank God, in many ways, yeah? 
So mm, it has purpose, uh, but it's not. Um, it doesn't take away the need of uh, take away the need of uh, you know proper lesson in the same room, actually hearing the sound and actually interacting with the person. There's a lot to be said about that. I mean, body language. Ausstrahlung, as you say in German, which is a really nice word, uh, you know, what kind of energy do you beam? What do you explain when you're playing? I mean, all of those things are related to music in that sense. And you, it's very difficult to sort of uh, get all those details just from a screen. It really isn't the same thing. So um, I think it is a medium for the difficult times and for clearing up some things and for, you know, giving information sure but we do need the the real proper lessons as soon as possible the students are missing them quite a lot and so do i i mean it's it's very different interacting like that absolutely no i totally agree so if you don't mind i think there are many people here now on the screen who have some questions are you ready for sure. some <laughs> well if anybody wants a cooking recipe I, i'm not going to give it <laughs> <laughs> that's too secret of course so maybe we can just uh, start with Mateusz. Do you have any questions? Yes, I have. I do have a question. You you were talking a little bit about reeds, but I have a question about intonation and fresh reeds. How yeah. deep it has to be that you can start drilling with it? Ah, great question, Mateusz. Uh, um, it is a little bit when you have this sort of snake box with the rotation of the reeds, uh, the really, really fresh ones, uh, you cut them open and then you can maybe do the glissando exercise or low register, um, low register uh, Clark, low register drill one. But of course, really fat and juicy reeds are the tendency a little flat. And then, you know, when they sort of, you know, you play on them a little bit, they get a little stiffer, a little harder. And then the pitch goes a little up like that. So it is very important that you, you know, when they're really fresh, that you, you do suffer through with those beginning stages with the reeds. And, but then just stay down in the submarine area of the instrument. Uh, you know, there's no fun playing in the middle register or tenor ridge is an absolute no-go with the fresh. Then you blow your embouchure apart, you know, before you even get to the fun part. So use be wise and then finding okay it just needs to be a little bit more played in and then you can play it in that register and then you can play in this register but it's i love the idea of the rotation it's a bit like family business you know you, you have to have you know babies grandpas but then the circle of life one shouldn't say that in corona times but of course that's in in a, in a read related world it's still a fair picture but a little bit later, you know, you can play for the whole register, but it's still not 442 on the... No, 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 no. And that's a little bit, again, also the focus from the, like, what do you focus on in the glissando exercise? Is that to be perfect in tune? No, it's actually the, the motion of the, of the glissando between the fingers, in that sense. It's a great way of sort of just dipping read and see how, how they are and a little bit like that. And then... Um, I would go back, if I go to Clark, then the lower register, then you can play with one more of these fresh reads. But then, you know, be wise to, to change the read so it doesn't get too strenuous, of course. Yeah. Thanks. Pleasure. Great one. Uh, next one, maybe Jacek, you have something. 
I won't ask about the um, uh, position of Tongu uh, in the last yeah. octave. Position of Tongu in the last octave. Well, your last octave and Christian's last octave could be different things. <laughs> so what, which, uh, which register are you talking about? Uh, from C1 to, to C2, you know. Yeah. Um, is it general for the attack of the note or for the sound? Sound. Yeah. So the thing is, of course, like I showed a little bit earlier uh, for the Poznan people, if you, if you blow cold air and you change to warm air, your Adam's apple really drops. Like that. You get a completely different homey voice. And that's great for sound. So if you can get the tongue there, down, and automatically you have a very round, big resonance room on the inside of the mouth, which is very, very efficient for sound. Mind you, of course, for the, to for the tenor register, the tendency, of course, is a certain amount of flatness. So you can only use this opening if your support is strong enough and your side muscles are balanced in that sense. So uh, in this sense, you, I would always say you would use the tenuto point tha, no matter where you are, but how far the tha, 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 tha goes depends a little bit on what you need to achieve in the register. Because of course, if you want to play a tendency like the beginning of the second movement of Mozart and you go, <laughs> you know, it's going to sound like a stranded blue whale if you have, you know, the, the maximum opening and your support isn't enough and the, and the embouchure on the sides isn't supporting that big chamber. So the tongue position is, you always have to link it to what is the resonance I want to get here. Because of course, if this is the read, and the and the tongue and the tongue goes there. Neat, neat, neat. You will have say, 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 no matter what you do. You can be as open as you want in the throat, but if the tongue stands too close to the reed, only that part will resonate. So, in that sense, practice the neuto tongue to get it as far away as you can, and then slowly try to find some middle point and see what it actually does to your individual intonation, especially with your setup and reads. So, um, for me. The tenuto point stays from the lower register all the way to the top. Um, I use that point all the time. Especially, very, very useful um, also for the you know for middle range going up to tenor range. So, I think what you have to find is the quality of the tenuto point comes from the exercise on the high C's, uh, and you play them as smooth as you can. And if there's no crack on the high C, that's a great point. Take that point with you down to the C, and then combine it with, okay, what's the dynamic you want to play? What's the pitch you want to play? That is the way to go, what you want to do with the tongue. Ha. Thank you. Great one. Next, um, let's see, maybe Kuba, you have something. Uh, I want to ask, about practicing with metronome mm -hmm. when practicing uh, solo repertoire or orchestral excerpts. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, because uh, very important to practice yeah. with, uh, with the metronome. But uh, how uh, to use it? 
yeah it's uh, uh, we, but uh, we have to we have to train um, to listen to the metronome and we have to train how to play without the metronome so because i mean you know it doesn't matter how much you practice with the metronome if you go on stage and it hasn't had any purpose and you can't sort of activate your own metronome that's uh, what's very good to do is uh, the Clark exercise, but with big beats. That you do that. that you have very slow beats and you can play crescendo, decrescendo. The problem for wind players very often the time changes when you're moving the air very fast or very slow. And then the sensation of time, okay, that means when you play loud, then you play fast. And when you play soft, you play slower. Everybody does that. Is really weird, but that's how it is. So we have to train a little bit like that, how to find that. So practice with the metronome um, and then play extremely graphic with sound over the beats, how you want to do that. Uh, but then you must be able to take the metronome away and find pulse in your body and find that and keep that if you want to do the excerpts. And then you have to have a frame very often I say to my students, at least two bars before the excerpt, you need to have the tempo set. Very often, most, most comments in auditions are, yeah, tempo was weird, too fast, too slow. Okay, well, matter of taste, but at least one has to be consistent with within the excerpt or if it's a rhythmical excerpt, of course, like that. Um, so in that sense, practice uh, small, segments with very precise with the beat then make longer sequences with longer beats that will really help thank you thank you yeah. <laughs> bravo polish thank you. Thank you. okay so regarding polish someone who's really good at that uh Arik, you have a question Yes, I do have a question. Uh, as we know, maintaining high air pressure and strength of your chops is crucial in producing good sound. Do you have any exercises that you would recommend to practice on your embouchure as well as strength of your stomach muscles without the bassoon? Um. I tried actually uh, on an overseas flight once to do the trick with a, with a pencil um, and just train in the chops like that. It didn't really work. Uh, and I didn't get any drinks on the plane because I had a pencil in my face all the time. So it was uh, kind, of a, kind of a waste. But um, no, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, the, there's been some uh, products, uh, you know, for training, strengthening muscles and stuff like that. The problem is, if you get if you get a lot of bulk, you lose a lot of flexibility. Um, but and that's a little bit the thing. I mean, long notes going back and forth, moving sound between the sectors. That is what one needs. Um, a little one can train a little bit of articulation and double tongue on the read exercises, and you can you can train a little bit the chops if you're in the car, you know, commuting to work or something. Don't do it in the train. People don't like it. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you can do some of the motions. But the problem is we, we do need to play to find that sensation, I find. Um, and that's why maybe the, the, the talk about the orchestra also is, then it happens automatically. 
orchestra shape is some something that all orchestra musicians know and require somehow. So to, to, to make it make it stronger, the only thing that you can do, which isn't really sort of written in the drills in that sense, is actually playing chromatics, uh, crescendo, decrescendo, and then staying on the read and just breathing through the notes. The whole register. Of course, that's going to burn terribly, but the next day it's already a little bit better as, as long as you combine it with a flex exercise later in the day. Because we all know the feeling of going to the gym, well, at least these days, you lift and you don't stretch, then that's terrible. So, I mean, it's a little bit the same. If you want to build muscles and be stronger in the ambusher, make sure you flex it out later and, and do, so you get the blood back, the circulation back a little bit. Great, lovely. Uh, Isa, do you have a question? Yes, I do. I hope you can hear me well. Uh, yep. My question is, uh, how do I bring my playing to another level? Because sometimes I feel that I've reached the top of my abilities in terms of mm. fingers or my tongue. So should I do same exercises every day and increase the tempo? Should I mix the exercises? Is it even possible to widen those borders? Or maybe mm. it's a thing of confidence, or maybe I should just close my eyes, play as fast as I can and hope for the best. Is it even <laughs> possible to, uh, what a, to... What a fun question, Isabel. That's a great question. No, I'll, I'll tell you my little, uh, my little secret or how do I how do I approach these things you know uh, yeah obviously you can tell I've been practicing my system for all the time I still do you know and I, I'm you know quite a drill junkie in that sense not a bad thing to be I don't think but how to move it from one level to the other um, I think that is a much more creative uh, issue than a technical issue uh, and what it can be really interesting to do is actually to say, okay, you make a mind game um, and say, okay, this is the this is the excerpt, you know, you have marriage of Figaro. And what I love to do is to, you know, make these rooms. And then you make the Mozart room. You make you make your own imaginary Figaro room and you know, what's on the walls, what's on the carpet, what's on what's in the carafe, you know? How do I get in the mood? How do I make this excerpt as Mozarty as possible? And that's a really fun thing to do. And I mean, people's rooms are different. You know, people in, you know decorate in different ways. And it's very important that you sort of personalize the way you want to play Mozart things or that particular excerpt. You know, what are the characters in the opera? Are they present? Are they who's playing? What's what's going on? And that takes your own brain to another level with that. What also can be very very useful. For playing these things is then you know pick up four pick up four characters just like Carl Nielsen does in his second symphony you know you know the, 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 his four friends and you know you, you know one is one is this one is that and the other and then you have the, the the choleric colleague you know so of course he will play much super soft and super loud and hysteric and you know, ha and then you have like the really laid back Danish guy who doesn't really want to practice and do slowest wedding ever yeah so if you can change your perspective from different characters you know who's the overachiever oh, look how fast I you know and all these things it just gives you a different way so then what you're having is like extreme 
extreme interpretations in every corner. And then you put them into a really nice soup bowl and you cook a fondue and then you put it on a piece of bread and you eat it. And in that sense, you have so much more information, so much more extreme directions from that thing you practice so many times. And that might give you the effect that like, like I have to do every time I teach Mozart concerto, I have to reopen that bottle of champagne. I cannot let a student that comes and plays that piece for me have the, the bottle from yesterday that the cork has been open and it's all sour and there's no bubble in it because that's not my job. Yeah. So the perspective goes both ways. It goes for the student. It also goes for the teacher. You seek inspiration. Well, not always in the bottle, mind you. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, in this sense, you should be able to, you know, open the mind and really go into different kind of characters like that. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's very, you know, uh, theater people, they train their characters in the extremities. They have to, or else it's just like their makeup, you know. Theater makeup is much more in your face, overdone. If you see it up close, you meet one in the elevator, you get a heart attack, yeah. But then on stage, makes perfect sense. So the next level is not up to um, technique. It's up to imagination and personalization. And you can play two notes and they can be Mahler. You can play two notes, and they can be Debussy. If you create enough background in your mind and to do that. Mm. Cool question. Thank you. That's a great one. And I think you even had more questions, Isa, didn't you? Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, if I may ask uh, one more. Uh, you mentioned uh, the thing about mental practice. I, I mean, I think that's what you talked about. Uh, so I guess you believe in that. So how can we work on this? And uh, I've heard some, uh, some crazy stories about people going on tube and putting head uh, noise cancelling he headphones, traveling whole day on one of the lines and just trying mm. to learn the piece and then they could play it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it, how, how to actually achieve good results with mental practicing? Um, I think you have to be yet again, quite structured with what it is that you're looking for and what it is that you want to achieve. And then, I mean, if it's, uh, say there is a, a piece you have to learn, uh, you know, then you pick out things that you want to focus on. You focus, okay, what's the atmosphere? What's the, what's the direction? What's the buildup? What's the, you know, what's the form that you want to achieve? Um, and then, of course, the most important thing, how would you like to play this piece under the in the frame of that composer? You know, honoring the text of the composer, honoring and saying, you know, but like, like I was saying to Hashem, uh, one of the Turkish students in Mannheim the other day saying, yeah, Partita Bach, it, you have to honor Bach. And if you practice it exceptionally well, you're able to play your own version in the respect of frame of Johann Sebastian Bach. What an honor, yeah? You know, it should always be an honor playing his music in that sense. So if we can, if we can create, you study it so well that you play it with sort of humbleness towards him, or his mastery, uh, and still are able to get it with your own signature, then we are listening to, you know, you, Isabel, playing Bach in that sense. And I think that's, that's 
what one really should try and achieve. So the mental practice has definite uh, advantages, but you need to know what you're looking for. Absolutely. Okay, next one, Katarina. Do you have something you want to ask? Yes, I do have something. And uh, many of us struggle now with the same situation. Uh, so uh, there were quite some auditions which were coming up uh, in May, but they most of them were postponed mostly to autumn. And what to do, what kind of approach to have in such a situation? Uh, should we rather leave the, in case there was the repertoire already available, should we rather keep on going and be still focused on the audition, play parts, uh, at least part of the repertoire every day until September, October, or rather put it aside and just focus on drills, just develop on other pieces and then go back to, um, to the repertoire again, to Mozart, to all the excerpts later on when the audition is a bit closer. Yeah, it's a tricky. It depends a bit on your routine and stuff. But I mean, I think it's uh, when one has time like this, you should definitely go and revisit uh, as many of the standard excerpts as you can. A very, very classic way of doing it, you know, you play it one time, fresh out of the box, then you play it really slow and controlled. Um, no, excuse me, all the way around. You play it really slow, controlled, then you do one shot, audition shot, and then you play it really slow and controlled and put it back into the box. So basically just to have it sort of like a reflex technique that you, you practice this. Uh, what's really nice is also that some colleagues have made nice exercises, you know, studies around the famous excerpts. And that can be a really good way of, of sort of alternating a little bit like that. But, you know, you're going to be making auditions anyway. So, I mean, uh, keep, those, keep those things at the ready. Um, and then maybe, like I said a bit to Isabel, maybe if you need to change perspective then change the, change the, uh, the character that you want to be in it and be more extreme or more sportive or more, you know, artsy and, and more artistic or, or, you know, all these things. That can really help. The difficulty is the extreme monotone um, repetition that we have. But imagine what it's like to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Thought about that, have you? How many times the same stuff? <laughs> Good God. Yeah. So it's a bit the same thing. And that we have to, you know, uh, as teachers also invent and see how can we get the best out of the situation? How can I move the student further in within this lesson from A to B? Just always for me, if somebody asked me, what's the job of a teacher? And it says moving the person from A to B, where, wherever that is within that amount of time you spend together, but there must be a different, there must be a distance traveled in some way. And it should go that way and it shouldn't go B to A. So in that, in that sense, it's very, very important. Uh, keep them, you know, it's like having some beautiful uh, china in, in your cupboard. You don't pick it up every day, but you know, once in a while you pick it up and you dust it off a little bit and say, oh, fine, still there. So that could be a thing. Uh, thank you. And regarding teaching, I have one another question, which is maybe more um, uh, related to uh, yeah to teaching and to being also a musician, but also mm -hmm. a parent. And uh, mm -hmm. there are probably some of the people who are stuck home with kids who are playing wind instruments and not only wind. Um, what to do in this kind of situation? Because it's hard to uh, stay apart, stay away from the kid. Uh, when you are just in 
few square meters together and the kid is practicing. Should we take a role as of a teacher in this case? And also one another question regarding this. Um, how, as a teacher, what kind of approach to have um, for the kids, especially the beginners? Should we lead them all the time and take care that they will not go away from the right path or rather give the freedom to the kid and um, let them learn on their own mistakes? Hmm. Yeah, good questions. I mean, uh, first question with, you know, uh, Alex, my son, he's 12 now. He, we had, they had a wind band rehearsal on Zoom the other week and he played the, the Norwegian national anthem for about 90 minutes. This is a Swedish place. <laughs> so it was kind of, uh, you know, I, I think I have to get some wine from my neighbors. Uh, but, you know, that's, um, leave them. And when they have other teachers, uh, I, uh, I just say hi to, to Alex's uh, bassoon teacher uh, online and let them do their thing. Um, it's, it's important. They have their own world. When you are teaching kids, it's not really my, uh, my field at all. Uh, but I would just monitor the flame of interest that you okay you can give them some interest you can give them some information but if you see the flame of interest or the, you know just the lust for anything uh, diminishes too much they have to explore a little bit on their own also for kids um, they have very very short span of not mastering something you know if the, i can't do this that's the end of it yeah so then sometimes it's actually better to let them you know just get them two steps further before you let them take one step back. That would be really good. So, um, and the third question, pardon my, I'm a little bit out of the loop teaching wise now, so I don't remember. I do remember your name, Carolina, which is, you know, already an improvement. So, you know, uh, <laughs> what was the third question? Uh, so the last, what I was asking is yeah. if you are teaching somebody, especially if it goes about beginners, would you rather let them to learn on their own mistakes or would you rather uh, keep them on the right path? I mean, for example, having somebody who is playing wind instrument, would you rather remind the person to always take a very deep breath or rather let the person just play, just uh, read the piece and uh, then do the work or I don't know, what is your approach? I think it's, uh, it's just like, if, if, especially if you're working with you know younger people, I mean it's it's pretty clear written in the in their forehead, uh, you know what you can read people. You have to use your your psychological skills a little bit like this with kids also quite a bit to see is the person available for this kind of comment right now or does the person just want to play and finding that kind of balance difficult. But I think that's uh, that's you know practicing. You know, that's as uh, an older teacher also with, with uh, musical school students also. You try very specifically to, you know, when do I need to talk about this difficult issue? When do we need to say this isn't enough? You need to progress more, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of psychology into it also. And it's the same for kids also to see, okay, are they receptive about this now? Can we talk about this? Or does it kill the flame? Like I said, does it make them sort of, you know, then it's too much information. They don't want to know what to do and they lose the enthusiasm. And that's blowing out the flame is what one should be most worried about, I think. Let it burn. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Okay, so I think we are getting closer to an end, which means maybe we will take a little look on some of the questions that have been asked in the live chat on Facebook. Um, let me start maybe with a question from Joanne here. Uh, what do you think about these backing tracks and virtual collaboration videos that we often see on Facebook today? I think it's a really lovely gesture uh, to show that we actually love what we're doing. We love to play. Uh, we want to connect with people all across the world. The only issue I have with it is that we are doing this for free. And it also gives the impression for the world that, hey, we're doing this for free and you can have it the way it is. But of course, that's not the industry. It really isn't. And it's very important for people to be reminded, yes, we are doing this out of joy for what we're doing, but it's actually also our profession. It's also how we earn money. And we are actually, you know, the days are gone when you play a concert and they say you can have coffee and cake. Um, and I just, I think the balance there has to be, has to be justified in the sense that, you know, of course, sharing is caring, absolutely. But one should not forget that this is actually jobs. Uh, we have families, uh, we, ha we have future plans, we have canceled gigs. Uh, of course, I'm, as, as a German teacher, professor is in, in a very, very special situation uh, because it's a, a safety and security of the German system. So I find it um, fantastic that people do this, but I'm also a very, very strong advocate of help for freelancers and actually for people to understand they Absolutely, I think it's very important as well. Good day. Next one from Stephen Filler. Uh, how would you approach working on technical passages, perhaps using special fingerings that might be needed in a piece, for example, the Choulevet Concerto? Is this a part of the play segment? Do you include these fingerings in your basics or something like this? Great question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's uh, how to say when you practice especially drill system, you integrate other alternative fingerings into the technique, um, especially for the flex exercise, then you would use like other fingerings for that. The real gung-ho people also practice their fake fingerings for the attacks. I think that's really great. You play fake fingering. Um, just to see what the resistance is, what the intonation is of these uh, extra fingerings. Um, I would definitely, you know, uh, include uh, whatever fake fingering sounds a bit wrong, it's just, or alternate fingering sounds better uh, in that sense. Uh, the end result matters of this. And as we see very often in the orchestra, uh, the aversion of using so-called fake fingerings or alternate fingerings, you want the best result. You really do. It's not about, you know, not an, a sufficient uh, uh, technique. Playing a, a middle F sharp as a major third in three piece if you really want to do that with an original finger, well, be my guest. But it's going to be very difficult to make it sort of blend in if the surroundings are extremely dark, like low horns or double basses, something like that. Okay, it can be hard to do. So I, um, I really want people to practice and integrate their alternate fake slash fake fingerings into their technique. In Drills 2.0, it is very clearly stated what is a running technique fingering what is the sound fingering and what is the slur fingering? And that's why one has that big fat slab of all the fingerings there. 
saying, okay, this fingering could come into this, but you also have your own things that you do. So a piece like Jolivet is such a colorful piece. And, you know, then it would be even more fun to experiment, and, you know, shade it like that, shade it like that, maybe this, maybe that. So uh, not using other fingerings is like cooking with salt and pepper, like this person's been doing for two weeks. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think, why, why limit the options? Why limit the colors for a painter? Why limit the sounds for a composer? No. Integrate it and, and practice it. But be familiar with it put it into the system put it into so you know how the fingering reacts especially response or intonation um it's important great question absolutely so i think i'll take three more questions um there is one here from eva really. um for the kids who start playing bassoon would you recommend that to give a rather light read uh, prepared so they can easily play on this? Or uh, would they play on more normal and heavier reads? What are your thoughts on this? Um, it's very related answer to what Carolina says. It's important that kids feel they can make a sound and they can, you know, they can play and they can get through the song. Their, you know, their span of concentration and power is very limited, you know. You know, it's the same for my son. When he plays, I just played it. And I said, you played again, why? You know, it's, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, it's just how it is. So it's important that the setup isn't too taxing and that one can slowly build it up a little bit over time. I think that will be, will be fine. I mean, for kids, it's more, you know, making the noise, and uh, well, which it basically is in the beginning. Um, but they, they need to get that feeling of that they're, you know, they're mastering this. If something poops them out, you know, it's, it's not going to be fun for them. Yeah, very good points. Um, some more ones. Uh, how important is it for you to take a rest away from the instrument for some time? And if you do, how long would you say is appropriate? A rest? Meaning you don't practice? Uh, no, <laughs> I actually, to be honest, I enjoy practicing. I, um, I find it very important to stay in shape. I find it very therapeutic to, to, to sit down and spend some time with your instrument. It's also a good friend, you know, who, who has a friend that doesn't talk back? Well, the bassoon doesn't really talk back. So you can talk to it, you know, play with it, uh, you know, have your opinions. And um, no, I find it very important to be very regular with these things. There are, there's only one time a year where I don't really, I mean, in the summer holiday, I have two, two weeks without the instrument at least, but then, I want to play again. I like it. Yeah, I really do. And then your your fingers but, start but then when you have, and, hmm? But then when you have two weeks off the instrument, how long time would you normally need to get back in a presentable shape? It takes two weeks at least. And, uh, you know, you don't want to play publicly within the two first weeks. At least I don't want to. Uh, but it's just, you know, I don't feel comfortable in that way, really. And I think it's just uh, important to make not only being able to play the instrument, but play in a way that people want to play with you. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of uh, important also. So uh, routine wise, once a year, a little bit, I, it's good. Uh, it's good to do what I do want to emphasize. And the, the, before the Corona times, it was very important daily 
to do like a half hour or 20 minutes with noise cancelling headphones just to have it as quiet as possible just to let your ears rest a little bit uh, and also be more open with the ears to adjust when you play again afterwards good one it's really actually more and more questions popping up here now so if you have the time for two three more i, I do ha i do have the time i just yep we can do some more okay good um this is one I guess you have heard before. Uh, are there any read measurements you would like to share? <laughs> well, I can tell you um, uh, drills 3.0 will be read making. And it's a very, very exciting project that will, you know, that can materialize uh, faster than thought because of the Corona things also. But um, we have our own shape that we use in Mannheim uh you know based on Simeon Popov's reads great guy um we have tools that we use the reads are generally quite long um uh what's what's this I mean we, we cut them usually at what is it 30 and then somewhat into 29 a little bit but you it's part of the process um if you really want the measurements from usually how my reads are uh, I think it's a freebie on play with the pro videos about reads isn't it I, can't I think you share everything there. Yeah. Yeah. So just go in to play with the pro um, and find that reads video, but buy the drills 3.0 when it comes, of course. But it will be quite exciting, a lot of information, and there will be a lot of research to it and a lot of um, experiments. What happens if you do this? What happens if you do that? If you need this, then try to do this, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, yeah. That'll be exciting to see. Yeah. Very exciting news. I didn't know about that. <laughs> Looking forward. Well, Corona makes much möglich. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then considering Corona and uh, yeah, that we're having more yeah time for ourselves and uh, maybe less lessons. Uh, a person here asked, "Do you believe in self-recording and analyzing this as an effective method?" Yes, I do. I think uh, this, you know, but you have to, one has to balance it. I mean, uh, the strong, the strictest teacher is yourself and uh, you have to balance a little bit uh, the devil and the angel on the different shoulders. I mean, if the devil is only talking, telling you all the things you do wrong, um, the motivation might suffer. And if, you know, if you only listen to the angel saying this is great and you're not really believing in it, it's difficult. So usually a good way uh, is to do the burger. It used to be the burger in the back day. So you say something positive to yourself. Okay, that's nice. And then you say something that really needs to be adjusted. And then the third part of the bun uh, is then, of course, how do you get that solved? And then you should move from the burger into um, problem solving, saying, okay, is it is it an academic issue? Is it a creative issue? And that's um, that pattern you can find in drills 2.0 from the practicing part also, which is quite efficient, how to sort of uh, structure what it is that you're looking for and what it is that you want to find. Great. Okay, I think this is the last question for today. Um, what is your approach to reducing the tension during practicing? Uh, that depends where it is. Is it, uh, is it, 
you know, is it a throat issue that your throat is stiff? Is it arms? Uh, is it, I mean, stretching in between is very important, but also just like I showed uh, here, the, the temperature thing is super important. If you, if you do a classic Manam exercise, you know, the, the, the TS, the T set sound, things are quite tense, but if you go and keep that tension and change the temperature from cold to warm, okay, then the resonance room is open. And the amount of tension we need to play is very, very susceptible to, you know, dynamic level, register, all these things. And there's no point being tense anywhere else than where you need it. And that's a little bit also the body awareness. That's why it's nice to do some workout before practicing, that your body is kind of awake um, and you, you're sort of, you're, you're with it. And I think that's that body awareness in that sense will also help you to find, okay, I'm tense there, I'm tense there. A very big thing for me or in the Manheim class is also posture, that people have good postures, that we work on this because, well, I mean, the musician's life is usually 30, 40 years. You need to be standing properly, sitting properly and not put too much uh, pressure in the wrong place, for sure. Great one. So I think that's all the questions we have both from Postman class and from Facebook Live. Are there any more from Facebook Live that we have an answer? Uh, we can take a quick look. Uh, it would be nice to give them the time of day if it's possible. Of course. Mm -hmm. So guys, if you, if you have anything, this is the time to ask. <laughs> this one. Carolina found one. Um, yeah, there's a question. You hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a question from Predero Gonsalves. Uh, what is your opinion about improvisation on the bassoon? It's very important. My goodness, of course. That's uh, one of the most fun things to do, you know. Uh, you know, once, once a little bit going, if you're doing your, your practicing and you're being so methodic and you're being so... Uh, you know, disciplined and, you know, drills and everything like that. I mean, what can be really fun is at this, when you land on the note and you just, you feel, I'm not really in the mood of playing that combination. Improvise on the note, make a song out of that note or play a tune on that note that you like. Or this is actually something I'm, I'm you know, working on right now, finding, you know, just that the reason why you're doing this. And then having a, a proper example from the from the either solo repertoire or the orchestra repertoire, um, you're playing this note because of this, you know, that is such a different motivation, you know, and then saying, okay, wow. And then you play a little bit of that and I say, okay, fine. I do need to work on that note. I do need to work on that combination. So uh, improvisation is letting your brain walk free and, you know, uh, have some kind of harmonic structure. If you want to, you don't need that. That's but you know, improvise is just setting things free, loose it up. It's great, and that's why also the strong um, importance for me. I want to know what the, the students are listening to, and we know what kind of music gets them going. Doesn't have to be uh, to Rangalila every day. No, it's different. So I think it's a very very important aspect of you know putting into your playing for sure. Fun to do. All right, you have something. Yes, I do have something. Uh, Ole, you do mention drills, 
drills oh. one and drills two point zero. There might be some. There might be some individuals online who are not very familiar with drills two point zero. Would you yeah. would you be able to say in few words what it what they are about and why one should get them? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, drills uh, normal is a system that I made for myself from uh, practicing, being in the orchestra, finding, okay, what is it that I need? Um, and then, well, what I need is, you know, to be in time, in tune, at the right time, right dynamic, these things. I need technique, I need control, but I also need to explain this to my students very often. So I made this, uh, you know, introduction, what about posture, about breathing, about tonguing, how I think about it. So it, that drills has works like an encyclopedia a little bit about the basic techniques for, you know, posture, breathing, tonguing, uh, pressure. Um, and then the exercises come, which is part of the drill system. Uh, drill one, drill two, blah, 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 read exercise, flex exercise that you need to do. Drills 2.0 uh, is really fat, but very important. Uh, it has the introduction, how to practice. It has a chapter about slurs. It has a chapter about trills. It has a very important chapter about behavior in orchestra and behavior on trials and lessons. Uh, this is incredibly important information uh, because many of my students, thank God, have been so fortunate to get jobs and trials. And part of the teacher's job is making them ready to not only win a job, but also keep a job and actually be happy in the job. So that is very important. Then there's a big segment of all the fingerings, uh, the standard fingerings, but also fake fingerings, alternative fingerings, trill fingerings, all the trills that you need. Uh, then we have coffee scales for the system. And then a really nice exercise called NBC exercise, which is basically an intonation exercise for two bassoons, you train, NBC, an American TV show. But then you harmonize the other voice and then you have major thirds, minor third, fifth, fourth, you know, the whole shebang. Basically you need for orchestra duty intonation wise like that. So they are two individual things, but they work best in combo. And every bassoonist should have a library with fingerings. And we've made it with the drills 2.0 that there are you know, standard things for technique, standard things for sound, but there is also room to write your own variations into this. And then it should be like an encyclopedia that you can go and actually check and see like that. So they can be purchased from my webpage, www.ulekristandal.net uh, slash store. Um, and if you're in the US or in Canada or South America, Forest Music in California has them. They're being incredibly nice. We've had some very interesting buyers lately, a famous American bassoonist ordering, which is really nice, but you know, hey, not saying any words. Uh, and if you're in Asia, you can buy them from Machindosan, uh, our famous and uh, lovely repairman in Tokyo. And he has quite a few of them there. And you can write him an email. If you need any information of where to purchase these things, you are very welcome to write me a message on Facebook. Great. Thanks for clearing that up. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> good with some advertisements. Uh, another yeah. one that I think is important that I see here now is um, 
how do you manage your reads with humidity, humidity changes? Yeah, good question. And that is, I mean, if you travel as much as I do, it is a nuisance beyond belief uh, sometimes. But what is very interesting with the pop-up style read is the way they are constructed. They are very, actually quite, I'd say, they're so rugged and stable that they have very little change between the temperature things. And that's also one of the reasons why I like that system so much. Um, they don't they don't change very much. So once you get them off the plateau, you can really rely on them. Um, I don't eat, I don't, when I travel now, I don't even bring a knife uh, because, well, air regulations when planes were happening still. Um, but it's also that I would rather have a big variation of reads in my read box um, and find, okay, this suits this climate right now, this suits this climate right now. But then I know because of the way the, the style of the read is made like that, the construction is so solid that, okay, if it works now, it will also work tomorrow. It won't change that much. And that's very important for me, actually. So uh, that's also drill 3.0 issue that there will be a bit of a map where different kinds of reads will work differently. It's a bit of a thing, but I mean, coastal climate, inner climate, if you play Mexico City versus uh, uh, versus uh, Bangkok, I mean, it's going to be very different. And it is a big thing for people who travel a lot. It's a big thing for students doing auditions. If you're s sitting tight in your job and you're not moving, okay, it's a little bit of a different story, but there isn't so much information out there what actually happens. And that's also one thing that will be very interesting to put into drills 3.0. Absolutely. And I guess also a little bit the thickness of the read as well, how fragile it is. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yet again, okay, uh, the reads are beefy, but they're not, not impossible in that sense at all. I mean, they are just, they're stable uh, and they're not heavy on the lips, but you do need to blow quite a bit. But that's what we're, we're in that business. So. Yes. And uh, another one here is uh, when you're playing, uh, for a big sound, do you think more vocally of an O or more like A, or do you have any, yeah, your thoughts on the vocals when you're playing different registers? I try to keep at, keep it as open as possible all the time. I really do. So that, I mean, that's again here. If you go, you can actually have that opening as as big and as resonant as you can. I narrow in on the sides different registers but i really want to have the vocal as open and as round as possible also because of intonation issues it's you know very very if you change the, the vocal too much too much between the intervals i find i find too many accents within the intervals especially if you play in alternating too much of the vocals in there it would just sound for me it doesn't sound sustained enough whereas i would blow and have it as open as I can, and then narrow in on the size, what I need for the for the register change like that. And I think then there is a much more sort of consequent um, vocal color that goes through the register. And that's a little bit what I wanted, you know, we spoke about the Zelamod, what is, you know, the, the fluency between the registers and stuff like that. Changing vocals and stuff like that, yeah, it's useful for sure, but the main sound, the ground sound should be as open and as free as possible it's um ah, it makes 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 the sound easier to integrate with other instruments it makes it much easier for people to integrate with you that's a, a very sort of 
common thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is one here that I also think is important is, um, do you have any exercise, either mental exercise or any routine you're going through to get into the zone before a very big and important concert? Yeah, sure. I think everybody, uh, every musician has that. Uh, there's like a, a mental thing. And for me, it's very important. You know, you're on stage, you've taken, usually immediately after the tuning notes, it's very important for me to just, you know, to set it free. You think, okay, I practiced, I've done my drills, I've done the rehearsals, and set it free. What happens, happens. Be in the music and don't hold back and um, actually allow yourself to go into the, the zone of Ming without a safety net. That is incredibly important. Great. Maybe to round it all off, uh, maybe you have any recommendations for, for all of us, either some music to listen to or some bassoonists to check out or something like this while hmm. we are bored at home during these days? Well, I can give you, I think, uh, one should listen to other instruments. I think you should listen to Ivory Gitlis, old, old, wonderful Israeli uh, violinist playing uh, Saint-Saëns introduction and Rondo Capriccioso. It's so far from perfect, but it's so perfect in the same time. Just have a listen. It's wonderful. So um, other things, um, keep exploring. Open up the, open up the valves, listen, listen to music that you don't know and uh, go through it. I mean, that's uh, make a list of it. We have a lovely list in Mannheim, things that I think are important that you really should know in your bachelor and what you really should know in your master's. And it's quite an extensive list. And I want people to know the music. I want them to have listened to it. I want them to have a feeling for it. If they like it or not, that's, but at least they need to know the music. I find it's somewhat confusing uh, that, you know, modern students don't listen to classical music repertoire. Absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah, weird. Why? So, I mean, that's that's uh, would be a big motivation. I mean, in this time where we have a limited time to practice, practice, practice very purposeful or very free if the time allows it, and then listen to as much music as you can. Absolutely. Great. Okay. So, I think we're saying thank you so much for spending your time with us. Pleasure, pleasure. And uh, thank you also so much on, uh, for everyone on Facebook for asking questions, great stuff. And uh, I will eventually now end the live stream. Okie dokie. So, Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.